Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Monitor Keeping Podcast. I'm Alan Stevens here with Kai. How's it going, Kai, guys? Uh, today, we're going to be talking about some cool stuff. We're going to get into caging, cage building. Uh, this might go into a second episode. We'll see just how far we get. And uh, But first off, of course, we want to say thank you to uh, NPR, uh, the Morelia Python Radio Network. Say thank you to Eric Burke for uh, for getting this all started for us and and letting us become a part of the network or part of the uh, basically under the umbrella with them so that we can bring you guys some some good content and honestly for us he's taken a lot of the guesswork out of things and continues to um, uh, assist us with just new new ideas uh, little criticisms here and there things to add in or focus on so we really yeah, thanks, appreciate. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. And again, um, go and check out their uh, their website, the MoreliaPythonRadio.com. Uh, check out the different podcasts, of course, uh, NPR being the main one, and several other podcasts. And we'll talk more uh, about that at the end. But Kai, how you doing? Hey, not bad, not bad. I just uh, been you know just really busy, kind of nonstop. I'm just preparing for this stuff, preparing for my own um, grasshopper things and. Uh, monitor stuff, digging up eggs, worrying about gravid females, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, just uh, it's kind of nonstop. And also, uh, since the weather's been warmer, I've been moving out lizards. I'm not a big shepherd during winter time, so um, I've been waiting for the weather to shift into gear. But to be honest, some states have been still cold. So yeah, it, it kind of sucks. It really does draw back, and it. It's kind of amazing how some of these places, like I'm at 90 degrees, but they're still snowing. So yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. But uh, yeah, this episode I really like to get into caging and not really just uh, just like what we do and um, what like the normal community does or what like our standard is, but we're trying to really get into how a, a typical beginner might want to set up. Um, and then like an inter intermediate section and, and really get into um, slightly more developed section. And then as we're growing, I, I don't really want to put a stamp on what's top notch only because it, there's always um, evolving developments and stuff like that where we're growing. We're using different materials and year by year by year we're doing something a little bit better and, um, you know, growth from the community 10 15 20 years ago 30 years ago i've only really been doing this for you know 20 something years not into 30s yet but mm -hmm. um you know there uh it's changed so much it used to be 10 15 gallons 40 gallons for a three or four foot lizard you yeah. know and uh four by twos and you know maybe a couple people here and there would really deck stuff out and have gorgeous enclosures but most people were really just keeping them uh whatever the pet store would kind of just sell them or what they're what they're able to just buy right and right. Uh, that's typically standard enclosures that fit through your door fit in a living room nothing too huge and but we want to get into uh, a whole bunch of things you know of builds and all the stuff like that so we're going to try to cover as much as we can just because um, that's what we're also about as well developing new skills new ways to keep um, and like i said before sometimes when you're just buying from a pet store um, you're stuck with a four by two or a cage that doesn't have a big lip at the bottom. 
Mm -hmm. um, or the lamp placements are all off and you got to readjust the lamps. You know, you're at the mercy of what they make and what they sell you. And so you're kind of just stuck with that. Some people, you know, they may not know better. And so um, they're just going to go with that. And, you know, it's it's, it's perfectly fine because we're all learning and growing. So I myself used to keep them in tanks and, you know, uh, two by twos, those two by two glass tanks with a, with a mesh top, um, you know, I used to think that was a big enclosure, right? <laughs> or, uh, or like a cage that was like three by 18 by 18. I used to think that was a fairly decent enclosure until so I really started working with the bigger stuff. And, uh, you know, I, as I grow with my species or I get bigger stuff or the animal grows itself, um, I as well, um, try to grow with it in what I'm able to provide them. And, and really, um, it's, it, all this is like developing skills in, um, in, in the smallest sense or, you know, however you want to say it, but really, uh, you know, it's allowing me to, to gain a bunch of, uh, practices and skills that I never really thought I'd, uh, I'd have. And so, um, now as far as, uh, me having started with the basic enclosures and, and, uh, growing with, uh, with whatever I'm doing, um, I then evolved into, you know, buying those enclosures and then having to, you know, drill things into the wall or, um, mm -hmm. learn how to readjust stuff. Um, you know, a lot of the new new beginners are going to put them in like a little four by two or eighteen by eighteen, or I mean, as 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 big of a cage you can have. Some people are still using seventy five gallons and sixty gallon enclosures and modifying the lid. And um, I think there's quite a few ways that you can sort of make that work for a little bit. Don't get me wrong; um, you just got to really adjust with it. Just because, like, you know, we'll talk about like glass enclosures and and wooden enclosures and acrylic right. PVC type enclosures and really uh, all the, the pros and cons between them all, you know, like for example, like glass, um, I was just kind of getting into that where already a large, huge enclosure. So you picture something like six by two by two with glass. That's a large enclosure. Mm -hmm. so can't really log that around too easy. Um, it's going to be stationary and then you're going to have to have a lot of help to move something like that, you know, and the draft of that alone, um, glass itself doesn't really conserve heat and all that stuff too well. And so let's say if it's near a window or something like that, it, it'll catch a draft or it's a cold room, that glass will catch the draft and then um, draw onto the cage or suck the heat out of the cage. And a lot of times they're not built for reptiles or for monitors because they're so narrow and small. They might be good for little guys um, for a little right. bit, you know, a few months, but they're really not equipped for a big monitor because there's, you know, just poor access. There's only top opening access, which monitors don't really like. Um, yeah. And so um, where people are now getting into more available cages and wooden enclosures and, and um, acrylic stuff or, or uh, PVC enclosures, you know, that's where, um, that's where we're at all, all I guess me and Alan are at now and a lot of people are, are kind of, you know, that's where your base is now. That's because where, that's where the hobby's grown. You yeah. know, you don't really keep, or we don't encourage people to use glass enclosures that much anymore, or if at all, you know, you want to try to have your enclosures built. But uh, with the current issues with wood nowadays, uh, an enclosure that used to cost $300 now costs roughly $3,000, which is very <laughs> sad. Insane. And, uh, yeah, it's insane. And, and it just happened within just the last few months. 
Um, I'm pretty sure if you can go to any uh, any home, home improvement store, you'd be able to see that the wood is now just inflated like crazy and mm -hmm. um, essentially makes a uh, building tough. And so, you know, there's your uh, PVC option now, which has been um, a competition between a lot of people that want to make PVC enclosures. And so the price is very competitive now where you can probably find a really good deal and, right. um, you know, things like that. So uh, we'll, we'll get into the PVC enclosures in a bit. But, you know, as as your growth, the growth with this is the growth as well as your monitor growing into different enclosures. But it's also you learning and your practices and what you're trying to do to provide for your animals those skills are enhanced and what i mean by that is like as some as to simple simplify it you're basically going to be a little electrician you're going to be a little mm -hmm. you're going to be a little carpenter um you're probably going to be a bathroom installment guy because you're going to have a and stuff um and you know all of this I, I, I never, I didn't go to, you know, or sorry, I didn't go to like a trade school and learn all that stuff. I learned all that just by going to Home Depot and yep. you, you're no longer at the mercy of these pet stores. Um, when you're building, I hope you're thinking outside of the box and kind of uh, sort of just using tools and, and really getting down workshop style and getting imaginative with, with what you want to build. Um, yep. Yeah. And so the ground up type deal, you know, once we're, leaving the whole being you know buying from a pet store now we're talking about like actual builds right and um you know it all starts from the foundation you know just like anything anything really supportive you want to last long now there are those enclosures that you're getting from the store that may not be cocked correctly a poor silicone that uh monitor lizards can rip the nails out of now for a little snake or a little something may not be too bad but for what monitors need dense soil, dense community. The soil is basically wet. They're thrashing water around, fecal matter, all that stuff. The heat and humidity alone will warp and tear down wood that's not protected. So that whole protection thing, we're not even talking about like adding stuff to the walls yet, lighting yet. We're just now talking about foundation and build. And so, yep. you know, um, I myself, I'm a wood person. I like that they're thick. You, you can, you can have different, different uh, thicknesses of wood. I personally use the inch thick plywood and have built with that. But I've also made a frame and applied thinner sheets of plywood on, and they both work. But one holds much better in the winter time, and that's the thick plywood. That's one inch, and uh, for me, it stands a little better without having support frames. The one. I'm sorry, the half inch or I, I may, may even be three-fourths inch essentially needs a frame to it if you're going to be using a ton of soil and a bunch of – if it's going to be supporting a bunch of wood and all that stuff like that, it'll it, it'll bow if it's not supported. Mm -hmm. So, you know, having things structurally built using two-by-twos or two-by-fours or whatnot and, and uh, getting that built or using really thick plywood and having that down um, – is a uh, key to the the start of your build um you know where then you'd kind of really get into actually using a material where or a paint or some type of application that you're using you know to get into um actually making it waterproof um eventually you're gonna have to want your cage to last long you obviously you're spending a bunch of money on this and you know it's going to be hundreds or possibly even thousands of bucks at the end of the the whole build 
you know, buying everything like that. And, um, you know, you obviously don't want it to just last a few months or a year by, by warping or rotting in a little corner. So this part may be very key and it's going to be necessary for you to figure out what's best for you. There's, uh, many options on this, you know? Um, and I think, uh, I think Alan, you yourself, you use a few things as well, right? You have, uh, bin setups but you also use enclosures now i I myself i use dry lock and uh, i've had people use epoxy resin for me but i've never done it myself because the fumes are way too strong for me and so i currently use dry lock that has kind of lower vox or um the, the it's basically the fumes that are that are emitted after you've painted it on um you know and i use dry lock mostly for most of my enclosures just because uh once it's applied to wood it, it, it does really well with protecting it but you know if a monitor really scratches it at it really well it's essentially going to give as well um and i mm-hmm. think there are better applications that you can use that are essentially just liquids or something that you paint on or apply on um and you make it really strong and epoxy resin is one of the great ones uh another one that is uh used a lot that has very low vox are or sorry, is uh, Zupoxy. Um, I currently don't use any of those stuff. Uh, I, I actually am just still kind of like maybe a little bit past intermediate cage building where I'm just building and applying things to the wall. And I, I'm, a, I'm actually making things a little bit easier for myself because now my symbol builds are um, to my necessities and for what I need them for. Um, you know, for example, like from what the store can give you, they probably make a two to four inch lip but for yourself at home you're probably going to want a lip that's 10 inches uh, two feet something like that that can support right. a ton of soil so essentially you want a bunch of soil so it's not all in the tracks and and you can have a bunch um mm-hmm. and now so your lip or your water your sorry not water your water dam but your lip or from the bottom to the the uh the part of the door um i have mine roughly a foot and a half on most of the enclosures because my soil goes about a foot deep max roughly um now what about you uh, how for, deep are yours i'm using nest boxes and a lot of the uh the okay. dwarf monitor thing so it let's I do it had, foot tall though, right well i haven't had to to worry about it in those as much and on some of the even the uh the older wood enclosures that i have i use nest boxes in it was my workaround for not having to build a substrate dam or, you know, the yeah. uh, condition of the wood. Honestly, they're, those are cages that I'm planning on updating here in the new future. Um, they work great though for now. So yeah, uh, I'm still using them, but now like in the, in the larger enclosures, the walk-in enclosures, uh, I have basically a, I want to say it's around 20 inches at the front, um, a board that I have, put in front of the opening i can open the door step over the board now and that's and just a little band-aid you got right that just holds the soil right, there right right because the rest of the the i didn't i didn't account for it right when i built the cage i had yeah. some other ideas as far as making like a little square i could actually step into yeah and these were just nice thoughts because the monitors <laughs> just kicked dirt into that space and it wasn't yeah. gonna work they uh they educated me real quick on that. So for now, yeah, it's a band aid that I have. It's, it's great how you say that. You know, um, there's I think people when they're when they're building, whether they have one or they have a bunch, 
I think everybody wants to have a perfect enclosure built first time, but mm -hmm. you're not really going to get it that first time unless like you really intricately took a lot of time on it. And sure, you went, you went and took months and months and months maybe, but really uh, you're going to build one and you're probably not going to like the way you built it because the monitor did something and ripped something off or got out or I don't know. It's just uh, it wasn't big enough to fit everything. And so you'll then decide, all right, this is not what I want to use anymore. Or, you know, let's say you started with Plexi and then you realize it bowed and it needed a frame and or um, it scratched it up so much that it got so cloudy, you know. Um, yeah. and you wanted to decide to do something else or are you using windows and instead of a sliding glass two double plane doors you just have one sliding glass door and then you want to change it right because mm, I, I used to use the one window and then i realized dang i can't get to that far left side the where they're gonna lay yeah. if they're gonna lay and so i have to get into the enclosure so i realized all right i'm gonna have to redo the doors and that's exactly what i did and i just redid the doors i'm able to get to the other side if i needed to um and adjust so those things right there where I want you to be confident in what you're doing, but at the same time, you know, always realize that there's room for 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 more, and there's room for more growth, and you're probably going to yeah. do better the next time around, and you're not really probably going to you're not really going to get it the first time, you know. Um, and I don't know if there is honestly a perfect enclosure. There's just yeah. what you're willing to deal with and what you're not. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the things um, that I do plan on doing because I I had already purchased prior to this. And I'm really thankful now I put in that, the, the full enclosures and that loft where I'm at, you know, I paid for lumber at a much cheaper price when I did that. I also bought some, uh, some birch plywood that's been sitting there. It's already cut into roughly what I need. Um, but that project is coming up. I need to tackle that one. I'm not sure if I'm going to make it into three cages of a certain size or two cages of another size. But the idea with those cages is to have, uh, multiple options, a whole lot of access, um, whether I decide later to run nest boxes in them or hold cage nets, nesting, it's going to be capable of doing all those things. So a very um, adjustable cage, you know, the transformer of cages, so to speak. Yeah, that, that's, that's a great idea, man. Um, right now, what I'm deciding on doing currently is uh, building cages with partitions. So since I've been yeah. breeding a lot, um, not all the time do I, so what I'm doing is paying, playing musical cages, right? And males yeah. are getting swapped out when females are laying. And so the male will be taken out for a certain amount of time, maybe weeks, maybe months. It really just depends. Um, sometimes you can go right back right away. But, um, what I want to do is, uh, have my partition up and have a latchable, um, entrance here on, on top of the, or on the actual partition and mm -hmm. I can just have them, you know, be separated when I need to, and then open it when I when I want when I want them back together. Um, that's what I'm having yeah. done in in most of my six and eight foot enclosures. Um, that way, I can utilize some more area. Also, what I want to do is get some of the ones that are currently fighting all the time to be more used to each other. Um, yeah. That that's my current issue. Is uh, I'll introduce some. And as a breeder or as a person trying to breed them, I'm having uh, some horrible luck with one of my males. He's just uh, – he's wild-caught as an adult brought in, and so he doesn't really like life too much. 
<laughs> he's kind of really frantic when you know things are in his cage or new stuff's going on or if i have to even grab him sometimes when i look at him he'll even just regurgitate or go to the bathroom like right oh, away man. yeah so uh-huh. um he did that earlier today too i'm not sure if i fed him too much but he got up on the basking thing and regurgitated and what's crazy is that i gave him another piece of food and then he ate it. it's like it's weird i don't know <laughs> so, uh, yeah he he eats he'll he'll tongue feed it's just uh he's uh really difficult to get to breed and what's weird is that he'll meet with other females that aren't his type and he'll try but he won't with his own type so this uh partition in this build that i'm trying to do um currently i'm having done in a couple cages um should help with those introductions i'm hoping i'm hoping mm-hmm. um yeah man so uh, that's currently where I'm I'm at with uh, with most of my with most of my builds right now. I just still using dry lock and and not really changing up too much just because I'm comfortable with how the dry lock works and how fast it works. But um, I, I don't know. Eventually, eventually I'm going to have to like I want to try the Zupoxy really really right. really bad. Yeah, um, I think it's got a. I don't know. It, it, you're you're able to do it indoors, and it's not gonna um, spread a bunch of fumes, and you don't have to let it air out a bunch, and you can paint it afterwards, and it kind of does look really nice. Um, it's just uh, applying it to the whole enclosure. I'm not sure. I can probably do like a platform. I just don't feel like pasting it all over the enclosure. So um, I use certain things like I go to Home Depot for everything, really. So. Mm-hmm you know, still talking about building from the ground up and what we're kind of doing and, and our current applications. Um, you know, I have this, uh, this, uh, bathroom caulking, um, silicone thing that I buy and, um, you're so you're just used putting it in a regular caulking gun. And that's what I'm using to put in all the corners and creases and cracks where it'll keep water from getting into the wood. Now the dry right. lock, the dry lock or whatever you're doing is only going to do so much because that's just covering the walls, but the water is going to seep into the little crevices and it'll cause rot underneath the application that you will apply it. And so having cocked it where you're now uh, reinforcing and making it more waterproof, um, that's been a plus for me on what I need to do because my animals thrash water all the time. They have water pans that they spill or I'll spill water or sometimes I'll even need to revamp all the soil. And instead of spraying it, I just get pictures of water. I just picture water in there and stir it around, mm-hmm. you know, instead of spraying it. Cause it gives me a, a, a wrong, a wrong look. Cause I'm only looking at the surface when I really need to look down deep down in the soil, right? A foot down. That soil over yeah, so I, have to, I have to turn it in. Um, the whole being protected and lined up is where I'm, uh, I, I would like to get better, but that's currently what I'm using now. And that's, that's been my ticket where I'll use dry lock extreme and um, I'll just have it painted all over maybe about five or six coats. Um, and sometimes if uh, like an animal is always really scratching at stuff, I'll kind of do maybe almost 10 coats. Yeah. And, um, but still um, some monitors are so crazy that they'll, they'll get past that. Their nails will just dig right into the dry lock and just peel it. Um right. And so, uh, I guess some other some other usages are uh, FRP, which is yep. fiber reinforced plastic. I I actually failed miserably with that ten <laughs> years ago, right? And so this was the 
the thing that people were recommending that's that was the only thing that people were really recommending back in the days because right um zoopoxy wasn't really out like that and or it was more for just people that were doing zoo stuff and so right it wasn't really being done by the typical hobbyist and typical keeper and then um so you know that frp is sold in eight by four sheets at a home depot as well and it's that stuff where you walk into a public bathroom and it's the textured white walls yep <laughs> ones you can uh it's kind of bumpy yeah and um that's it that's it where now my my problem with that was i couldn't cut it well enough with the tools that i had and so i had to use like shears and cut it to thing and the edges would be all choppy and <clears throat> i eventually applied it to the wood but um the way it looked and and all that stuff like that there was just so many gaps and so i kind of just i kind of scrapped that project really i, I yeah. didn't put any monitor lizard in it it sat in it sat in the garage for like a week or so and um this was one of my first builds too where i was like all right i'm gonna try to cut this wood i got you know saws and stuff and got materials and dude i barely had anything i really just had frp and wood and i really thought i was doing what i was what i needed to do and really um you know a lot of you guys are gonna have to draw and mm -hmm. make a list of materials to buy probably ask people and what to do and do things in stages yep and if I you have to... a friend or like a a neighbor um a parent somebody somebody that you know that has some carpentry skills yeah get educated you go, know go, get it it'll take you a really a uh, long long way now um I like I said I, I basically thought I can build a cage within just a day. Yeah. And realistically, you're not. It's things have to dry and all that stuff, right? That's that's just that's besides the point. But you what you what I what I was mentioning with doing things kind of bit by bit is let's say you're doing the structural part first and you're just you know popping two by twos together or two by fours together and getting just your frame out. Um and then you know, if you're doing that, or if you're doing really thick plywood, you're just going to cut it to size what you need, all set all pieces that you need, and then basically button it together, screw it together, right? Mm -hmm. That part is that part is simple, right? But then once you start applying stuff to the walls, then you start using different applications like uh, silicones or or glues or paints and stuff like that. Those things need to dry. So this part will just be your box. You know, mm -hmm. it's just going to be the skeleton of stuff. And um, where you're now intricately thinking about, okay, what's going to protect my stuff? And then, you know, now we're getting into more, more detailed things where um, I myself just build wood, but you can use and paint the outside of it, or you can add a trim and all that stuff if you want to. But for me, and to kind of be drawing two sides here, I have more functional cages rather than like gorgeous decked out um furniture centerpiece type stuff i don't really have a bunch of those mine are just boxes you know and um and so um i, I don't i don't really i can't really get into the i'd say those huge huge enclosures and all that stuff like that i'm really just doing now from my my normal caulking and silicone and and just just that part you know yeah um sometimes those big enclosures i'll be honest sometimes they're easier 
What happened? I find anyway. I find that sometimes when you got to build like a, a four by eight to some, you go grab a sheet of plywood. Yeah. And you you throw it up together. Um, what you you've done. It. Yeah, yeah. Minimal cuts. It's real nice. You're like, oh, I'm just gonna make this size. And uh, sometimes it can be easier. The, the when you yeah, need these is... unique shapes, sometimes. Oh man. Yeah, this yeah. is that hardest part. Now, okay, you have. We're at still at the ground. We're still the foundation, buttoning stuff up. Right now, the door, the door is <laughs> the hardest part. The door, I mean, when you get to it, okay, you have many options. You can do the track that they sell. Now, yeah. Home Depot and Lowe sells the plastic track. That plastic track will break with pressure and much usage, okay? Yeah. They sell aluminum tracks on Amazon. The aluminum tracks are much more durable and will have a much longer shelf life. Basically, the ends won't crack. Um and applying them is the same way. They have a little entry hole. You just you just drill it through, and that's just it. Now, um, some people might find that hard, finding all that stuff and then going to buy the glass. Okay, that's a few different stages. You mm -hmm. essentially are going to different things. Home Depot will not have glass for you. They have plexiglass, but they don't have big sheets of glass and just a glass cutter there for you, though. No. You'll have to actually go to a company that sells glass, have the things cut out. Now... Um, you want glass that's tempered. You don't want to, to just shatter and have a bunch of shards. You probably want it to break in little pieces, you know. Um, that'll be better glass to use. And I use fairly thicker glass rather than the thin, thin glass. That's just because uh, I'm scared that the thin pieces will just break as I slide them. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so now there's many other ways to make doors. Um, people, like uh, we mentioned earlier, you can just pop in a window. The, an mm -hmm. actual window that you buy also at Home Depot, okay, or Lowe's, and it's in the window section, and you're just getting a 4x4 four four or however size you want that they have available, and you're just literally pop putting a frame around it and popping it into your cage and securing it. Um, that is your door. And those, a pro about those is that they, they're sealed. They lock. Yeah. Um, they are also very good at keeping in heat and humidity. Right. Um, me having sliding glass doors, I actually have no vents in my enclosures at all, but the sliding glass for me has a little slit in between, and that allows heat and humidity to have some type of escape for me. Um, for me, I actually have find that as a plus rather than having some of the enclosures that just trap so much stagnant mm -hmm. heat. And I but didn't you have to you had to learn how to use it for yourself too right? yeah yeah i had to learn basically what what was better for my setup and and really um you know we mentioned this earlier as we were talking but you you really have to kind of get into the thick of things having animals you know i i can explain all this to you and you can kind of you know, get a feel of it and write it down, maybe even have like mental thoughts about it and all that stuff like that and try to play it out. Right. But until you're actually there with it and the animal, it's kind of, it, it'll rip your cage apart if you're not doing it right or something like that, you know, or, or it'll hurt itself. Um, it'll get into things. And, and so, um, man, uh, really, really reading, reading your animal and, I guess what type of enclosure for it, you know? Yep. Yep. There's a um, man. Well, 
we should stick to one part, try to stick to a certain uh, theme in this. But as you're talking, my brain's firing off in all these different yeah, directions things I've tried. <laughs> so many directions. And so, you know, um, now where we're at with the whole window thing, um, there's the last option would be like building doors. Would, mm -hmm. And those are just sliding out, or not sliding out doors, but doors that you latch and open out. I actually have a couple of those and I find a couple of some of those to be pretty efficient as well. But right. I'm getting in and out quickly, not all the time, though, okay? Um, and so, you know, there's a few ways to make your doors. Now, you just have to cut that, and you have to figure out how you're going to frame the glass. And mm -hmm. one. And so if, if you can have somebody, like like Alan said, with carpentry skills that can do that stuff for you, um, that'd be great. But, again, that door part, that's, that's, that's where these it'll, – it'll fit in for what you're either willing to do what you have at hand and what you're, what, who, who can help you, mm -hmm. you know, just your capabilities essentially, you know, on all aspects of what you're, what, what you're able to, to come up with. And so, um, I don't know, utilizing it and, and having it where, um, man, your, I don't know, your, 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 your next thing after the doors is going to be, like heat as well and that's another thing that you probably don't want to just do on your own you want to learn some of that as well picking that up from another electrician or you know learning on youtube that's kind of how i learned as well but i also learned from a couple electricians as well on what to yeah. do um safely uh now after the window right it's basically your your thing is well we were talking earlier about um our soil depth right that kind of gives you an idea on space and stuff you have to work with with availability for your animal availability for logs availability for lamps and bulbs and so mm -hmm. all that take up space and um you want to be able to still provide enough room so two foot enclosures don't really do it 18 foot 18 inches enclosures that are that tall don't really do it if you're looking to apply a ton of soil and have a bunch of ample room and then also have room for your, your lizard, just a bass with enough space between the bulb and then the bulb as well as the fixture. So all that has is added up and you're, you're trying to really then do the math now with just space alone. And so people are kind of giving you an eyeball of like four foot is a good size enclosure that's tall, three to four foot, maybe even taller than that. So that way you have much more space to work with. Yeah. Um, but if you're working with really tall enclosures, then you got more, you do have more space to work with. And, but you now just have to accommodate for more as well. Okay. Those walls got to be really strong for being a sturdy enclosure, for being such yeah. a tall enclosure and all that stuff like that. Yeah, you know, just to touch on something um, real quick, back to the doors, um, really put a lot of thought into your doors, um, Yeah, what you want to happen, okay? Uh, I will say this, unfortunately, mm, I, I forgot. Have... The latch door is another one. <laughs> that's the one I just yeah. started applying. I just started using latch doors. So um, with some of the smaller monitors, unfortunately, with your basically standard open and close type of doors, um, ooh, we had a, we had a small hold back, get some toes crunched. Um, I hate saying that, but it is the truth. And if I'm in there, you know, it, it wouldn't really matter. And if an animal decides to jump out of the cage, I'm, I'm going to go hands on and catch that animal. 
But to other people uh, in your household, you might have them do something or whatnot. They might actually be afraid of your animal. And that's what happened in my case is um, I had someone else doing something in a, in a closure. And one of these Ackies decides to jump out at feeding time. And uh, out of reaction, the person goes to close the door, got a little hand caught in there, and yeah. you know, we lost some toes. Oh. So, yeah, it, it sucks, but that's much um, less likely to happen with a sliding glass door. All right. Um, for me, I for me myself, I don't see it as, as too much of an issue, but just certain things to think about. Um, and yeah. I, I hate telling that story. It, it didn't happen too long ago either, but you know, it's a reality yeah, of things. Stuff happens. And yeah, for me, uh, losing uh, Kimberly rock monitors is uh, oh, not a chance that I want to take. Um, I've actually lost one before jumping out of an exoterra enclosure and mm -hmm. I couldn't get the door closed fast enough. And it was literally split of a second, split of a split of a split of a second, really. And it, it just wedged through. Um, and I literally went around the whole house, thrashed everything, looking for this lizard. And I thought it was in a refrigerator. I thought it was. So I tore apart <laughs> the refrigerator, right? Like they took apart the door, flipped it upside down, took everything, the motor, the back part, just gutted it, right? And it wasn't even in there. It was just in the, <laughs> it, was in the it was in the bathroom underneath the the sink. Oh and, man! And yeah, I was um, I was going nuts. So, um, you know, to to where I'm at now, even though I had adults, I didn't really have to worry about that. So once they're adults, you don't really have to worry about sliding through the glass. But when they're really tiny, they're flat. Mm -hmm. and their noses are flat, and um, they can get through. I would say maybe three millimeters of space. Um, yeah. Literally, that's all they really need. And um, I have now have latch doors on all of the baby Kimberly enclosures because um, I don't want them getting out. So there's actually no real door. Like the front is just a glass piece and it's, it's stable there. It's stuck there. Yeah. Um, and the top has a small entry hole that's like four by four. And that's just a, uh, enough for my hand and a cup to get into and nothing else and then there's no major exit or running out point for those kimberleys it's just i don't want them dashing off i don't want something that a customer paid for running out of the door and me having in there <laughs> lost i lost your lizard because i'm slow yep. so, no, but, uh, you know it's just thinking smarter than the lizard and this is where um, like I said before, I, I wanted to just keep them in. I wanted to keep them in exoterras, 18 by 18s that I can stack on a shelf, right? But mm -hmm. then I was like, oh, that's not going to work. Uh, it's not going to work because I can see it happening. I'm going to be up at 2 in the morning feeding, on not on my game, and it's just going to dart off and I'll just, you know, lose a lizard. Yep. But so, you know, those things are the lizard teaching me. Um, you know, we kind of mentioned it, and I don't want to sound like some smart alley guru or some – you know, um, some, I don't know, person that's like all high and mighty and saying, hey, listen to your lizard and stuff. But you're what, what you're really trying to do is having them and seeing what they're showing you and and uh, kind of getting from that. So if they're getting out through those cracks, basically you have to step it up, change yeah. how your setup's going to be. Or, or if you're worried about that front opening is just too much, you'll have to figure out then how to change from that. 
Um, same thing with just like, all right, if I had, uh, if I had my lamps a certain way, or if I, if I put a cage around the thing and my lizard, uh, climbed on that and, um, it's a cage around the bulb, right? And my lizard got on that and burned it. I basically basically be figured out then now, all right, how am I going to build enclosures later on with bulbs this way where mm -hmm. my lizard isn't going to do this? Um, right. or like, let's say your water thing, your water feature, um, if it's placed a certain place and it's always tipped over or something like that, or what they are is they're trying to get under there, right? Um, I no longer put my water bowls on the floor. I put them on top of something so they're not going to tip it over. Or mm -hmm. what it is is there's a little tiny shelf that the water thing gets to sit on and the animals go under that. Um, and, you know, just, just ide ideas like that where um, – these you're trying to read your animals trying to do something and you want to complement it by changing the enclosure somehow and you're going to redo that in the next build or change around your current build that you're doing you know one thing i think uh just real quick on the exoterra so that i can save people some heartbreak uh from my own experiences uh, i still use some of those exoterras but they are not for brand new babies um, yeah same they're for adults Right, right. I have lost some some babies. Um, they can actually escape out of those exos in different ways. Um, also, the way the doors open on the side, the there's a gap when you open the door um, towards the corners, yeah. and it's a great little escape thing for animals because you're thinking that yeah, you have the door open, it's going to come that way, and the last thing you're going to do is try to close the door real quick because. The only result then is pinching the animal. You're not going to do that, yeah. um, you know, and they hit the ground running. So uh, save yourself some heartache. Uh, if you're getting a little bit of an older animal and that's what you have to use right now and you've done some some research on how to make that work, <clears throat> great. But, yeah, for brand new babies, I would just skip it. All right. So getting into that now to make it work, making, making an exochera work for your monitor. All right. Oh. Now, <laughs> some people don't, you know, it's not, man, I, I don't want to shame anything because we all kind of started from somewhere. So, um, all right, what I do with an exoterra, it's, it's, it's the same. And all I'm doing is now solid, solidifying the roof of the enclosure by using either a piece of plywood or a piece of PVC. Now you can kind of ghetto rig it if you want to use like aluminum tape over the current mesh that it's on and sit the lamps on top of that. That's allowing less heat and humidity escape, but it's still not trapping it in there well enough. Okay. Right. So what I do is I just um, take off the, the original screen, put in a piece of plywood and then hook a heat lamp on the inside and just run it like it's a normal wooden enclosure. Mm -hmm. um, and that way the exoterra um, is useful. It actually conserves a little bit more humidity and I'm not throwing away an enclosure, you know? So um, with the amount of space that fits in between, uh, hi, hi, love. Um, the amount of space that fits in between the the enclosure and the actual stoppers that are holding the thing in place yeah. is only about half an inch or less than that so you have to get very very yeah very thin plywood to fit right into that groove right. and then you can move the stoppers over holding it in place and um 
yeah, that's how you kind of rig a rig a, a exoterra. Okay. Yeah. Um, and this is just uh, those enclosures that are you're still you know we're still trying to make things work. We don't want to be wasteful and just throw things away. And and you know obviously there's like like he said he's having all of these enclosures still be utilized, but he's trying to grow and get new enclosures where it's going to be replacing all those. And right. Eventually the glass ones will be taken out. Yep. So, and another thing for me is, you know, those, those enclosures are great for what they are. Um, they, they might suit you for certain animals um, in certain events, uh, times in their lives. Or uh, let's say if I was keeping some, you know, the Australian guys, they have access to some of these really small monitors. Um, some of those enclosures would do great. Even I would say like, right. the, like Gil and I, yeah, because um, you know, they're, they're they're smaller than Aki's, and right. um, the a three foot enclosure is is going to suit them really well, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, going forward for me, when I'm looking at new enclosures <laughs> and phasing things out, I'm actually hmm, how to I'm I'm actually building enclosures to grow with what I have going on and to be adaptable. So just because this year I may have done dwarf monitors in this enclosure, um, I may have to adjust things and use that as a raise up cage the following season for um, sand monitors or something else that's in that mid-size animal range. Interchangeable, um, yeah. Right. That's, and that's why I don't do any of the full rock stuff. Right. Or any of the stuff that's going to be stuck to the wall for good um yep yeah i agree you know and that's that's just us if and don't let us confuse you if you're keeping a, a handful of animals maybe just one animal go yeah. ahead and, build and you want to really check it out right right just get your measurements right you know figure out your basking spot here's the thing is like if you tell a guy i want my um my basking spot to be 12 inches from the actual bull right mm -hmm. and so he's gonna basically make your full rock thing or you're gonna buy a full rock thing or whatever it, it can it can be anything but it's gonna be stuck there okay once after you've applied it siliconed it in place and all that it's gonna be stuck there so if you have a distance between the bulb and the actual basking spot and it's roughly one foot now let's say you start using a bulb right and all of a sudden it's way too hot the basking spot's like 160 yeah. you don't even need that there's no way for you to raise that thing up and down and you may have to then choose a different bulb to use or then you're at a dilemma there you know where mm -hmm. all right am i gonna have to um put a different basking spot or I can't deduct this. I can let's say if it was 12 inches away and the basking spot was only 100, 115, you can adjust by applying something on top of that, which is very simple. But to deduct and move it down is hard and to move a bulb upwards when it's already on the ceiling is hard. So mm -hmm. that's where my dilemma is when coming to doing situations like that. So if you already have it planned out, got the bulb you want to use, Use your surface temperature gun to measure the exact temperatures that this distance will be, even on a regular platform when it's a skeleton and not done completely yet, right? You get an idea of what, what it'll be. And so for me, most of my bulbs and the basking area at 10 inches to a foot is 124, 125. And I kind of know that as a given. So I'll make my things like that. But, you know, if your animal all of a sudden also grows, outgrows that, and then it's all of a sudden really closer to the bulb. You have to then adjust again. So 
I like yes. my enclosures easily adjustable by everything being interchangeable. I can unscrew it, screw it back in with something else. Um, if I need to, like these shelves that I have, if I want to move them an inch, an inch lower, unscrew it, move them an inch lower, screw it back in. You know, mm -hmm. it's not, it's not, it's not an issue. Um, so yeah, but aren't all like I like yeah, we don't want to discourage you guys if you guys are able to do it correctly we encourage you guys to definitely work out a, a bomb decked out enclosure you know we want right. that all right that, well you know we started off talking exos real quick i guess let me um I mean, it's just i guess like the whole beginner part if they want to you know it's all about really just all of our growth and we'll you know we're able to do with these little things you know right right for those of you guys that are out there using that stuff um don't be afraid to take some even if it's that uh styrofoam boards that you can pick up pretty cheap um you can tape those around the sides of the enclosure you can tape those to the bottom of the enclosure especially during the winter where you might live um yeah. these are just blankets you know blank band-aids that yep they're helping out you know yep and it doesn't look pretty, okay? Yeah. <laughs> That's why uh, Kai just, explained. Just functional. Right. You're just looking at function at that point and making something use, uh, making use of something that you have, all right? Because um, Kai mentioned glass. Uh, glass does not, if your room's cold, if your room's 65 degrees, the edge of that glass is going to be 65 degrees. And what I see a lot of times people doing in that situation is then the overall temperature in the cage drops, so they add more of a, uh, a um a larger wattage bulb you now unfortunately all you've done is the edge is usually still 65 degrees you might right um raise the temperature up a bit but you're actually just cooking the animal inside there's nowhere for it to escape there's no gradient in there um you have to take these things into account and you know sometimes that's why i think a lot of people steer away from them and right. uh, for good reason, you know, if you don't if you don't know what you're you're messing around with, you don't don't know what you're doing. You could uh, make a, a we joke. You've heard it probably before a jerky machine Yeah, uh, where you're just dehydrating an animal. Yeah, you're and, basically pumping heat into it and then allowing it to just evaporate out without a problem. Right. Yeah. So um, having that conserved heat and you'll hear a lot of people say, you know, cover the top with something or, you know, it's just ways you can rig it and. Those are all good for a little certain amount of time. Like I mentioned, they're band-aids. So yeah. you know, you're going to have to um, figure out something that's much more sturdy along the lines, something where it'll be more solid, uh, can last a lot longer. Essentially, the shelf life is going to be years and years and years, hopefully. Right. right. Yeah. So then I guess – the most experience maybe uh, you've had so far is, is building your own wood enclosures, right? Specifically working with wood. Right. Yeah. Just wood enclosures. Um, that's now, you know, getting into what I'm being, what I'm trying to learn about is the whole zoopoxy thing. Um, yeah. I haven't, I haven't really get it, got it yet. I just been watching YouTubes and um, I think a, a, f a later build, I kind of wanted to do something a little nice. Like, again, though, I always change my mind because I'm like, you know, I'm going to put it up, but I only can use it for one one animal and one thing and one size. And so can't, it's yeah. not going to be easily interchangeable. So, yeah, I, I was thinking about just making some mushrooms 
you know, and making, <laughs> uh, making the ones that come out from the wood where it's like a, it's like a whole shelf, right? Yeah. And you can just uh, shape it and then paint it and then apply it to the wall. Uh, that's, that's all I really wanted to do. I didn't really want to do anything else. Um, <laughs> now, now where, where the whole cage thing has taken me, right? I, I now understand things and that I never thought I'd be doing, you know, like, like I mentioned before, the whole plumbing and electrical work oh, and stuff. And you're, you then become really skilled at, at, at all of this after, you know, many, many builds, but um, you always, there, there's always the community to kind of go back to and you can always ask different people what they use. And some people will tell you they use this and some people will tell you they use that. And you all, you might ask a few people and then figure out what's best for you. Um, Not I, to keep, lizards that require water basically in that degree that's what's best for me <laughs> yeah yeah i can't have too much water for for me my flow of things now um i i wish i can have plumbing hooked up on all my enclosures basically turn a knob have it all go down one pipe out out through the and out into the yard into the street right that's really that's like nice. That's just easy work, you know, and then I just have to fill the things back up and, and that's it. But I still do everything uh, with love, right? Manually and all that stuff. I carry out all my all my uh, my bins and stuff like that to the to the side and just dump it into the yard, you know, and Oof. yeah. So uh, that's that's kind of how I think many people do things. I don't I, I don't know. Some people flush stuff, some pour down a certain thing, but uh, to be honest, I just kind of, uh, it's just going into the bunch of mulch and stuff. Yeah. Do you have a stretching program you, you follow prior to, uh, getting in that cage, bending over and lifting up, you know, that 20, 30 pounds of water in that. <laughs> True. I actually, uh, instead of, um, having anything hooked up, right. I'm pouring my bin into a big bucket so then I can carry that out easier. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and then all of those, all of those go out to be washed and sanitized and hooked up. So, you know, I wish I can do an actual thing where, it, like I said, it's all plumbed up and stuff. But um, I, I haven't gotten to that. And where my how my stuff flows, I just don't have the room and the hose to do all that. You know what I mean? Right. It just doesn't make sense. You know, um, but if you had that option, like let's say all your stuff was in the garage and you had it all plumbed up and then you just had to, to hook up the little hose and the pump and have it sucked out into the street, into the drain, you know, like direct that's clean and ideal. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, not everybody gets that option or has that ability or it's not that comfortable because they live upstairs in a, in, in a, in a, in a big studio or something like that. And you right. know, downstairs is so far away. And so I don't know, you know, just, just, uh, just some ideas on why some people do or capable of some stuff and not of others. Yeah. My recommendation, my recommendation for that is, um, no water monitors, no Merton's Mike Stefani out there. Bless your heart, man. Cause, uh, yeah. you've got a commitment to those animals. I just, I love them. Yeah. They're so awesome looking, but I just, that that's the one thing that keeps me from them. I don't want to get into plumbing. I'm not ready for that, that education yet. Yeah. So. Now, um, for for the person that um, is doing a large enclosure, but you only got like one animal, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, I, I kind of mentioned this before, where you should think about 
the soil level and up as well, right? For your basking and um, your heat and humidity and your placements of stuff. But the soil and down, we're still there. I'm not even, we haven't even left there yet. And we're already an hour into there. So, <laughs> you know, we're hooking your cage up and you got your lamps and all that stuff like that in there, right? And, um, and let's say you figured out the distance and you made your cage the way you wanted it. Um, now, many people will recommend you to use a bunch of soil. And I've recommended it probably to you as well. But you have to use it a certain way. And mm -hmm. it's not just dumping a bunch of soil into there and calling it a day. Now, if you lived in Florida or Texas during hot times or where I live sometimes where it's really warm and uh, humidity is great and heat is probably really good and stuff like that, it's, it's really dense, right? Um, that, that'll help you out a little bit. But where, let's say you live somewhere colder and um, your amount of soil will need to be heated. Uh, a lot of people will recommend beginners – to do that, you know, oh, put it in a huge enclosure, a bunch of soil, this and that. It's, it's, it's been done before. You can definitely do it. Now, the only problem is that don't recommend that if that person isn't really there as far as their level of experience. Right. You know, hooking a eight by four up and stuff like that. I just want to let you know, even a person like me and Alan have slight issues hooking an eight by four up. Yep. You know, it's not as simple as you think just to heat that amount of soil and stuff like that now I, I don't want you to just forget that that's what your goal is because you do want to get to those levels and things like that but you know you want to start small and to be honest your main goal is just a lizard your main goal is not to have mm -hmm. bioactivity and, and all that stuff like that yet oh yeah yet. okay but We'll get Should there. We even we'll get go, there. oh man. Yeah, we're going to get there because <laughs> that's, that's all important with uh, the eventual, eventual what you want to end up with, you know? And so. Do you want to um, keep monitors or do you want to keep bugs? Come on, yeah. people. That's so, a... <laughs> you know, you're going to get into those things later on. But right now, we're really just focused on the lizard. Mm -hmm. And, you know, having a bunch of soil again is great. So, what I recommend people do, and I've come up with a, an idea, but. It's taken from other people's ideas that I just I just kind of try to simplify it for me. And I have a little PVC sleeve that you can apply to the wall, and there's a heat pad in there, and the cord runs out of the cage. Of course, that's on a thermostat, or use a heat pad that's generating just enough heat. Um, and what that's going to do is make your soil warm. And as mm -hmm. your soil is moist and warm, it, that generates the dense humidity that rises into your enclosure. Okay, um, rather than you having to spray it down all the time, things like that. Kind of we get we get into, you know, where you have to do a lot of maintenance because you know there's not a lot of support, or when you put a lot of support there, you don't have to do a whole bunch at all. Mm -hmm. And when you have a ton of soil and it's heated properly to like a good you know mid 80s something like that, and not all of it, only a fraction of it is needs to be heated because then you if your cage overheated, you still needed the cool spot that was 70 or if your animal wanted to be at 70 it has another option of the enclosure to be at 70 and that's below away from the heated soil area okay um now for the guys that have little niles or little water monitors or any of those baby monitors at all any of them you know 
Um, most of us are going to recommend you to keep it simple. You know, you don't have to have a ton of bedding. But if you were to get to that point and or if you want to just do it yourself, you're just like, hey, I just I love my animal. I only want one. I kind of want it to live a great uh, extravagant life. And though there are those people and I don't want to stop those people from doing what they want to do, treating their animal like it's precious because we love what that what you guys do. And so, you know, you just want to do it the right way. Have all your calculations all, all your ducks lined up essentially from the ground up and understanding heating your soil is a big thing in the monitor world where mm -hmm. it controls everything. It, it not just does the humidity part and allows your animal to escape and stuff like that. And, um, you know, revamps them when they're need to shed and they're going down and getting humid just in those burrows, but your females, the reproductive, everything just the whole the push for, for all i need to do sometimes is add a nest bin into a female's enclosure and that sets her into everything yeah so um as soon as she knows oh i have a nest bin i, I you know this is the support i kind of need i'm not sure if this is what she's saying but you know that's kind of what i'm gathering from when i give them nest bins they utilize it and so um any nesting option essentially will be beneficial to your female and this is where your heating and all that stuff like that is important we're still at ground level okay we're still at your foot of soil if you want to use it now if you're utilizing a fairly good size enclosure you built one a couple of enclosures like alan has and even myself i still have one or two that are shallow enclosures that i essentially am not able to put a foot of soil in i have deep nest bins and um that's just how i, I do things on on that aspect so although there are levels where there's beginners and intermediate and like really top-notch enclosures feel free to utilize and go back and be versatile mm -hmm. you know um don't just oh man I, i'm like a like only noobs do that or only, you know, beginners, man, I have a couple of monitors that are raising glass tanks right now just because I know how to rig it right, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And I, you know, babies, I'm sure you utilize uh, glass enclosures sometimes just for brand new babies. Yeah. Uh, I, I have, I, I raise them in it um, and I, I just have them rigged because the tops are, they have a heat lamp that's dropped in them. So right. the, it's not just the, a crummy exoterra it's 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 modified a little bit so. right and i use the same thing in certain situations because um honestly they're they're easy for me i can see what's going on i can monitor the babies very closely yeah. um and for a little while i i utilize uh, sometimes just paper towels uh in these setups and it's very very sparse, very uh, industrial, I guess, in that sense, because the whole idea about that setup is make sure the baby's doing healthy. I'll, once yeah. it's locked on, eaten, doing the things it should be, and there's no problems that I can notice, yeah. hey, then I'll get him into something different. Right. For the time being, you know, this works. Yeah, and, and, uh, and that's where, like, um, when you're looking at, like, toenail tips, tail tips, mm -hmm things like that when they're shedding right for small monitors because they're so thin or some species of monitors their tail tips are very very thin right they can snap off if it's dried or got if they were to whip it it, um, it can split or something like that um, and 
keeping the integrity of those toenail tips and tail tips is very important. So sure, we're having you see examples of what we keep babies like pretty simple, right? Just bare almost where we're kind of just having to see them do really well first before we even start adding stuff. But once you get into like a couple months into stuff and they're, you know, um, obviously you're, they're going to start shedding and you'll see that just the paper towel is not enough, you know, and you'll have to just spring is obviously not enough. And then the whole you spring poop on paper towel that I think we can all smell that right now, paper towel, (laughs) poop, and you spraying it. That smell, we all smell that right now, right? Yeah, we're, that's a smell we're all familiar with. And that is actually a bacterial infection waiting to happen if mm-hmm. we leave it like that, you know? Yep. Um, and so changing paper towels out will have to be something you do much more often. It's not something that you can just leave poopy and, and um, yeah, that's not what you want to do. It's entirely, you know, purpose-based for that. Most, most of the time for a lot of people, you're not going to get a monitor that young. Even if you're getting a tiny little guy, they're usually got a month on them um, yeah. for the most part. And they can so, be on bedding and all that stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Right. All right. We still, uh, I think we're still, yeah. You know, something that I've had kind of an idea about uh, lately, I've, I've used similar ideas, um, so to speak with nest bins, but I know you use that PVC sleeve with a heating element in it to heat the dirt that's in placed yeah. on one side of the dirt. But also for these larger enclosures, if um, maybe you want to keep uh, one animal or just one type of animal, um, not a bunch of different types of animals, but you want to build them one really nice big enclosure, um, one way to maybe think and about heating your soil uh, down below is actually to, from the stages of, of planning out your build, leave a space under your um, enclosure, which I recommend anyway, like a subfloor. Um just because if you're, you never want your bottom of the cage in contact with the direct ground, okay? Because uh, the temperatures are going to fluctuate down there a lot, especially towards the cold side. Um, you're going to have some issues. So especially on something like uh, if you have a concrete base in your house, you're you're on a concrete slab. Um, if you're on a a wood subfloor, maybe um, it's a little bit better. But I would. Definitely recommend whatever cage you go with, get it off the ground. All right. It's going to be a lot more stable. But now in those those enclosures, um, you can actually use that space or you can plan out a build that uses that space underneath to put heating pads um, in a somewhat semi closed off area where there's not a ton of ventilation going across because you don't want to waste your heat, but traps that air enough with with some air exchange to give you a 10 degree boost under that cage you yeah, know or even that, touching just touching yeah yeah and it's, it's yeah. going to boost your your temperatures it's going to keep your soil temperatures a lot more stable um and especially if you use that maybe you can use that on a thermostat and control you know by by monitoring and getting familiar with it you can control your soil temperature throughout the year to a certain extent so just different different things to think about and i mean that's heat pads um i've seen people do it with um on some of these large cages um they i don't even know what you call it it's basically like a heated water system you know and yeah and so that's piping, cool it's a yeah. hot water that's ran through pipes that go underneath your enclosure that's um, way above me so there, there's a <laughs> there's a guy dang i actually don't even 
kind of I don't even remember his uh, his name or his company, but uh, he's definitely not American. And he had like <laughs> he had like uh, if I can describe it, like his his whole setup was all like rocks and boulders all along the walls, right? Mm-hmm. And he had animals all over. But um, there was uh, wiring in between all of the rocks in the walls, and that brought the ambient up inside right. the entire thing. So you see how intricate some of these enclosures can be where kind of thinking outside the box for inside the box. Yeah. It's kind of it's, it's weird. But. Yeah, if I can get people to think kind of like a box within a box is – even if you're doing whole cage nesting, if you were to build an enclosure that's a box within a box, think about just just talking about where your substrate sits. You're going to have a lot more flexibility, a lot more yeah. control about the temperature of that soil and making it usable for your animals, especially for nesting females. Yeah, even for nesting, because let's say you had an eight foot enclosure and you wanted to dig the whole bottom. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people, yeah. we do it. We do it, but a lot of us have tried to hone in on creating the perfect nest box, so to speak, where the temperatures are right, the structural is good enough, there's a hole big enough just for the female to fit through. Um, it's structurally sound inside where she'll have uh, comfortable positions laying and all that stuff like that where it won't collapse on her. Um, the mm-hmm. soil, in, the soil sand and water consistency within the bin also has to be a certain type of right. um perfectness for her and so uh yeah that's uh all of that is is in play now this is you know us talking about how our builds are complementary to our to our setup like to our our setup on how we want to breed right like right. I, I even have some of my enclosures stacked on top of each other where there's heat lamps underneath the specific area and right above it in the closure enclosure above it are the heat bins i mean the nest bins and the sorry the heated nest bins and so um as the heat radiates from the bottom enclosure they go upwards they're heating that one just enough as the heat penetrates through the one piece of wood and then the top cages pieces of wood and then it penetrates through the soil to the bin and all that. It creates just enough gradient to make right around 80-something degrees for my bin. If it's any hotter, I just move the bin slightly to the side, right. and that will give me more cooler gradients. Um, so if I can give people a visual, uh, maybe. Let's, let's say you have three enclosures stacked on top of each other, whatever size. Uh, yeah. Let's maybe say a, a six-foot enclosure, okay? So imagine that the bottom one has a heat lamp on one side of it more towards one side of that bottom cage all right um the next cage up put the heat lamp on the opposite side yeah and and stagger the heating elements on those cages and then what kai's talking about is then a, a nest bin is placed uh also staggered and you play with those temps a little bit i do the same thing with a temp gun, with a little monitor, and you you watch the temps and you move that nest bin side to side to provide the right temperatures and a gradient within there. Um, and I do the exact same thing, and I stagger it that way. 
uh, so you can move one slightly one way, slightly um, to the side, so you can reach those right temperatures. But also, um, by heating the one above you as you go up, because heat rises, you might have to, you know, if you use a adjust, yeah. right, a 40 watt bulb on the top, you might have to use a 50 on the bottom. Um, yeah. Play with your own temps and and take those things into consideration if you're going to use a system like that. Now, um, I guess getting back, and uh, I, I'll say this again. You guys I that have one or, two, one or two, what was that? Oh, I said I jumped the gun. I was going oh. a little on a tangent there. So. No, okay, right. I don't think I'm about to go on a one or two, but um, the solo, I'll say it again. The solo builds or the guys that just got a couple cages, uh, I envy you. You guys, <laughs> you guys don't have to do all the hard work <laughs> you guys don't have to do all the like the back breaking like picture 15 water bowls man you know oh, or yeah. 20 water bowls that that aren't water bowls at all they're like huge kitty litter pans and, <laughs> and like you know so it's a, it's a lot of water a lot of stench like where am i yeah. gonna put this you know and um yeah so i i, I wish work was a little easier but hey it's all it's all for the animals and the love of the game, you know. Um, but for you know, getting back into your build, as you know, as we get into things, we kind of get into little tangents, and um, they're hopefully all related to that subject and on you know that that part of the build. But you know, so now we're getting into your hooking it up, and now we're above the soil. We're no longer at your heated soil. So hopefully, if you guys happen to have any questions, this is a something you want to take into extreme caution heated soil moist water uh cords down there or um me telling you to put a heat pad down there you know that's because that's what i'm doing um it needs to be protected those yeah. heating elements are are possibly dangerous and if you're not doing it correctly um, you can obviously catch fire or, or something worse, something like that, you know, and just right. uh, lose your animal or something more horrible, lose your home. Um, what I really recommend is, is as I've taken all these ideas from like a, a bin in a bin or my sleeve um, or someone's uh, heat pad on the side of a bin or or someone's uh, actually using a cane mat that's set to a thermostat, uh, buried or something like that, or side mounted to a wall. All of these are what some of us are using. Like it's mm -hmm. just ideas that everybody in the hobby um, has thrown out there. All, everything is used. Like I think Rob Rob Foster posted his white throat lane the other day, and he had a really old dog mat. I couldn't even remember the company he told me because I don't even know if it exists. So, um, it's like, a, or I think it's a radiant panel or something like that. And I, I, to be honest, I couldn't tell you. I'd have to really go back, and that's actually a few weeks. But it's something that he has on the side of a bin, and it's just side mounted to the wall. And I have the same, very similar thing, but a smaller build. Um, it's just not. It's not like four by three like that heat pad was. Um, and so being safe and being on top of your wires and where they are are important. 
Um, right. Okay, now here's a, a very important tool that I think I think can be left the way it is or modified to be even um, a greater tool in the in the hobby to use. And I haven't developed it yet, but I, I think it's going to be pretty simple. All it is is just a, a heat pad connected to a box but it's a, a sleeved box, you know, it has one exactly. sleeve on the side. Yeah. Right. But um, if you're thinking about doing the bin in a bin method, it is a heat pad taped to a bin. And then that is set inside another bin to protect the heat pad. Okay. That is one of our safest methods that anybody can recommend you currently. Um, right. Even, even my sleeve method is, it's still a prototype. I've only been using it myself. Um, other people have different things. And, you know, you, let's say you use, uh, you applied um, reptile heat cable, right? That's like a 12-foot, 16-foot, 20-foot cable. I forget, right? It's pretty long. Mm -hmm. um, picture you ran that on a wall section, and then you covered that with a piece of uh, metal, like sheet metal right and the sheet metal will carry the heat pretty well because it absorbs right. heat pretty well and transfers really well put a thermostat on that and it only gets to 90 degrees turns off that's also another gold ticket if you want to apply like it's just ideas you know you're just any any of these things are just ideas and you try them i've actually tried that one myself uh, uh, i didn't like it too much i didn't like the sheet metal in the enclosure um, it also allows quite a bit of bedding to get back there. But mm -hmm. as the ideas grow, you kind of utilize different, you know, different things is if, if they don't work out too well, or you see, oh, there's a flaw in this, you want to do it better. You're trying to, yeah, it's the, the heating, the soil method is key for a lot of people's success with breeding monitors. Yeah. That's exactly hundred percent for me. If my soils were seventies or, or, or if there were 90s, my monitors wouldn't lay. It'd have to be 84 something. Yeah, right. That's that's my that's that's where my animals lay. If I dig up bins all the time, it's roughly always around 84, and that's my my incubating number as well. That's what I incubate at. Yep. Uh, yeah. I'm 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 aiming for mid 80s um, for my well. <sighs> With my nest, when when I have bins, they usually cover a gradient about 87 down to 80. And for the most part, wherever the monitor starts to dig, it's it's right in that mid 80, about 80 yeah. or 85 degrees where they eventually nest. Um, and then with my larger enclosures, the corners do get down lower, but for the most part, the animals still nest in those areas that hit 85 yeah. 84 85 degrees yep so yeah it is key now i'd like to really get into just um some not really questions but there are questions that i run across all the time or there there were run across in the hobby all the time you know um People ask about, uh, I guess, like, you know, how to hook up your 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 lighting. You know, mm -hmm. uh, for 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 me, like, I was helping uh, a gentleman that um, 
has like tree monitors and and stuff like that. Uh, my friend Trav, uh, he he was doing a build, and you know a lot of this stuff was just available at um, at Home Depot. But you, you're you obviously you have to piece all of it together. Um, I use sixteen gauge ceramic plate, uh, and those are my two ingredients. I cut the female part off you know split it split the wire do what i need to do um bring it out and then i apply it to my enclosure and then i mean sorry i apply it to the the ceramic heat plate after i've ran the wires through the enclosure and i'll use you know electrical tape cover up the screws after i've, I've applied the wires and i'll screw it in now um that's how a lot of enclosures are being done but i believe there's a safer way where there's that little I don't know what's that that space between it. It's like a grounder or something like that. Or oh yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, help me out here because I actually don't have none of those hooked up at all. So, <laughs> so you're uh, talking about basically that little round um, plate. Yeah, plate insulating piece basically yeah. that provides the uh, space between wherever you're whatever you're mounting the actual light socket to. Um, it creates a space so that wire um, can pass through. It can exist basically without touching anything else. So you have your top of your cage, you have this piece, and then you have the ceramic fixture on the bottom of that. And that's just an added safety measure um, because, I, unfortunately, I have had a cage actually catch on fire using just the uh, ceramic socket fixture with wires. Two, yeah. and I, I've done a lot of these, so yeah. this was only one time, but it was enough for me yeah. um, where it was mounted to wood, basically. And I don't know if it was because uh, where it was mounted was um, I drilled through or I cut through the melamine. It was one of those old cages, the melamine cages. And over time, the uh, the little particles, it's basically, Sawdust. yeah. I think yeah. something happened. It got in there. I, of course, it was burned, so I, I couldn't really tell. I'm not a uh, 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 one of these arson analysis, but you For know, me, my, uh, my bad one was uh, uh, me uh, spinning the wire on top, and then oh man, man. yeah. So, but it was cool. I caught it. I was there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that was uh, you know, it's like a little heart attack though. So we, yep. we want you, want you guys to be careful. Um, oh, just recently, yeah, I saw uh, Ryan McVeigh. He actually posted. Oh, a picture. yeah, that Did you was see a, that? Uh, and uh, most of you guys might be able to relate to this. It was the post on Reptile Lighting Group, okay? Yeah. And essentially, it was a whole ceramic setup, right? And it, it kind of looked decent, but it was hooked up to a plastic bin. Dude, you're gonna, <laughs> and, you're gonna melt that. You're gonna destroy stuff. Those fumes are gonna be toxic yeah. to your animals. I mean, and it's just. So yeah. much danger. So um, just just be really careful. You know, I don't want you to, even though we're talking about rigging and utilizing anything, uh, I, I guess, yeah, it's not, it doesn't cover that. Okay. It, it, yeah. uh, I want you guys to be careful and not, not you do dumb things or like don't daisy chain and like hook all right. your stuff up to one, um, one extension cord and run off of one extension cord and connect a bunch of extension cords to one. No, don't do that. Stuff like, you know, just. Um, it, it is going to be something that you're going to have to learn, and hopefully you're not learning through poor experiences right. um, that we had to. Learn from, to so, <coughs> learn from know, us, yeah. learn from those other learn horror stories us. out there. 
yeah, there's uh there's 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 plenty of YouTubes and tutorials and people that can possibly help you. Right. Um, now this is where I I had I had a lot of help. It was never oh I, I'm gonna go to Home Depot and just uh just study all the stuff I need to do. No, it's because right. someone else recommended me, and uh, I went and I tried to find it and I applied it. That's that's what I did. And if you can, I mean, you can come to us. Uh, you, you're we're always like an open book. If you feel like you need to ask us uh, any type of questions as far as relating to a certain builds, um, like we do things a little bit differently than just just everybody else, or like what the community is is a, a, expecting of you or stuff like that. We're trying to do just about the whole broad spectrum from uh, what we used to know and what we're trying to know, you know, and try to blend all that stuff together. Yep. So man, this is a huge topic and like we had talked about, we might split it into two, but where do you want to go next in this? I mean, there we're still we're still barely at the ground and nesting and heating right. stuff. So and electrical safety is electrical, key. yeah. So cuz that's where I'm basically flowing through how I would build a cage. So yeah. you guys are going through, you know, my my mental flow of all right, what's next? And so that would have been it. It'd be my skeleton, the walls, making it sure that it was going to be waterproof, the lip, the door, your electrical stuff, and then all that other stuff is your choice. So, right. you know, Cosmetic. if you want to be, be like, okay, again, design between my simplicity but not prettiness or someone's pretty but not so functional. And mm -hmm. I guess the end result here is functional and pretty. So, right. you know, I, I don't have too many pretty enclosures. I really just have what is functional for me and what I think works great for my animals. Um, you know, as far as without, without stricking them from stuff, like I still allow them to climb on the walls and vertical hang and do things like that, right? I'm not just keeping it like bare bones, but I'm not using like cork wall on every enclosure. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. It's on a lot of enclosures, but I use um, like fencing material, plastic fencing material that I hang and um, I, I hang, uh, you know, just things like that where you're uh, utilizing and just pinning up stuff where they can, they can work with it. Um, right. And not everything is just, a bunch of cork tubes or a bunch of growing plants. Now I have dying plants in the enclosure <laughs> and I have dying <laughs> roots and dying leaf litter and um, bioactivity. And now we get into this. Okay. My bioactivity keeps me from changing poop too much or changing right. out the soil too much. And it turns average soil into rich soil where shoot you can plant anything in it i guess eventually um but now, it, now kai what is your bioactivity uh my bioactivity is my base okay you're you're starting you have to start somewhere that's not what you want and um i want sandy loam but um not everybody can just go and buy sandy loam you have to make that or you, you can get it specifically from some random place maybe that's mm -hmm. like a lumber yard or a rockery um but even then they may not have it so it's sand and eco earth as your base core but um i'm also adding uh um 
like twigs and stuff like that. And right. that's going to eventually break down. My leaf litter will break down all with it. And eventually that'll give me my sandy loam type feel, which is just a sandy soil. Uh, now I add like twigs, little twigs that are coming on the branches. So it adds structural support to my nest nesting areas, but I also added to just all over the enclosure because it just holds the burrows good for them, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, now I have random red worms. Uh, earthworms kind of melt. <laughs> oh, no, I don't put earthworms in there. Um, and uh, I have isopods, powder oranges, powder blues, and some random ones I caught outside but those random ones right. were amazing and they're yeah. big yeah, yeah they're like they're like a almost a dime size you know like a two skittles or something like that that's how big are, they are are they those um the basically like the light gray yeah they're like uh, magnum something i forget what they're called but not yeah. roly polies but the actual they're, roly, they're big roly polies man they're like oh, a yeah yeah See, i got one that kind of like Roly polies, but they're flatter. They can't roll into a ball like a roly poly. Oh no, no, these these are these can still roll into a ball, but they're also flatter. Like there's like the Volkswagen shaped one, and there's like the flatter one. I have both. <laughs> Man, I, I need to find out which ones I have. That's my. Know? I can even send you some because I all I have to do is just put soil in a cup, and there's a ton in there. But, um, you know that's that's my bioactivity and. That's uh, breaking stuff down for me a lot faster um, <coughs> than, than most than uh, than most of I don't know other other uh, other setups or something like that. I, I try to try to keep their their areas like I apply a lot of stuff just for those isopods and and springtails and stuff. I mean, so, naturally in, in the enclosure already, it's supported for them, you know. So. I made a comment earlier to, and this was, I, I should clarify, <laughs> you know, sometimes I see posts, I see people asking about setting up new enclosures and they want to use a certain isopod. And I made the comment, like, are you keeping a lizard? Or are you keeping bugs? Not every isopod is going to work for you. Okay. Um, you need to figure out what's usable, what's not. Or just start off on focusing just on the animal and play around with stuff afterwards. But I've seen people, unfortunately, structure a cage build or the inside of a cage towards keeping plants and keeping, you know, bugs alive. Yeah. Monitors, they're messy. They're destructive. They that stuff up. Right. That, that might not be the best for you. And so... I have seen people struggling to keep live plants and, and bugs in their enclosure rather than focusing on keeping the animal, the, the actual captive in there, which is your lizard alive or doing well. I would say Kai has been doing this a while. Um, he's been able to mess around and play with some stuff that works. And so I'm glad you're sharing that information, but for, for newer keepers, you know, just, just focus on the animal first. And yeah. get into or that stuff. Get a get an isopod that's that you don't care about. Like, right. It's don't just, go spending a hundred dollars on a cup of powder oranges that are like fifteen bucks. That's right. Like the most prolific. You know, it's it's just those the, those types are are going to be beneficial for you for for speed. Sure, they may not be the prettiest, but they're doing the job. You know, they get a mm -hmm. decent size. So you can see them. But um, yeah, man. And now. 
There we uh, go. I just had to touch on that real quick. <laughs> no worries, man. Now, as far as uh, other uh, questions that I get as far as builds, right? Um, I actually had uh, a gentleman talk to me about like um, just the stuff around the the like placement uh, around the lamps. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I try not to have anything around the lamps. Um, nothing that they can like, swing on and hang on or a cage around the bulb. Um, like this gentleman had a, like a rig set up where it was kind of um, like a prong setup, and there was like three or four bulbs that you can plug into the thing. And um, he really asked me like wh- what I thought about it, right? Um, now what I, what I like is something that doesn't have a bunch of limbs and stuff on it. And that's what this mm-hmm. thing had. And so when you applied it, it basically allowed a surface area that the monitor is going to jump on and grab on or hang up there and, and just get into the lights, you know, um, right. for me to try to keep it where it's just the fixture and the bulb and it's centered away kind of sort of from everything else. And they can't right. really get to it. They, I mean, they, they could get to it, but it's not a jungle gym for them to play in, you know? And so um, I recommended this gentleman kind of put like a frame around it where it still exposed the bulbs, but it protected it from getting up there. Now, I just want to keep your animals from getting burned up there or right. ripping out bulbs. Ripping out light bulbs is, uh, man... A knucklehead monitor is fun. That's what, yeah, I, like, yeah. That they just, I'm just, they're just gonna be up there and they're just ripping it out of the socket. Um, it's crazy. It's like if they don't want to, <laughs> I don't know. But, um, and so, you know, these, these are just a couple questions that I see with the the lighting thing. I'd really want to get um, get more more into the lighting, um, as far as you know, just just what people can possibly relate to. Uh, I have and use the ceramic socket with like 40 watt and 50 watt bulbs. Maybe the max I use is 75 watt bulbs. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't use any hotter. Now, how I'm trying to do math calculations between my whole enclosure, um, you may have to just plug in some bulbs and then, all right, it's like, dang, it's too hot. And so you're going to change it. You know, those are, those are some just good things to work with. there. just testing stuff out. You know, you want to just get an idea on what you think would heat this enclosure up, apply it, and then seeing how that, how that affects it. And then adjust from there. Um, now, dang, brain fart. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're, you're bringing up light bulbs. And one like of the a, things that um, you mentioned is I, I try to use the lowest watt bulb to accomplish yeah what i want to do not the highest and definitely not um a high watt bulb on a uh some no, kind you of gotta, switch. Me back on track thanks yeah. man no no uh sorry man well what i was, <laughs> what I was almost almost about to finish saying was you know um basically like you like like you're pointing out uh my high wattage bulbs i'm not really trying to utilize that but let's say it does take a 150 watt bulb to heat up the whole enclosure I'm splitting that into like three forty-five watt bulbs or three fifty watt bulbs. <laughs> Having some technical so, difficulties there. So uh, you know, basically splitting your bulb 
comes out and having a bank of of of, of lights is perfect that's what we kind of yeah. recommend especially for the bigger guys the bigger monitors that are going to be you know several feet long and uh right. one or two bulbs is not enough and even three to four bulbs is barely kicking it so you know if you have a a, a good row of stuff i kind of then start just spreading out that heat kind of spreading out the the the, the bulb is the bulb watches as well right equaling up to what it took in one big bulb that's how i kind of work it out yep um i always start with just 30 45 50 watt bulbs and i kind of go up from there if i need to and adjust um i kind of have like a summer summer type bulb and a winter set bulb but they're roughly all around the same um now this part is where it's going to take a little while you might need to let your cage sit for 24 hours 48 hours and let your cage go through the days mm-hmm. um you know uh if whether you want to run it with soil and stuff or or you don't and you just want to run it dry and get it get an idea of your your temperatures um run it run it with different bulbs and this is where you're you're now going to start applying other stuff to the wall uh, and and where you're going to put your logs and and things like that i have most of the stuff elevated and hung off the floor so things are are mounted roped uh, fish hooked hung to the side but nothing sits on the floor the floor is actually a whole level itself <clears throat> and you know uh, when you guys start getting into this i'm sure kai's done it but you will spend hours at home depot or lowe's just looking necklace. at yeah just looking at different devices to hang whatever you want, different hooks, different ideas on how to do this stuff. Um, we've done it. Just it's going to happen. Once you start building the cage, you're going to look for these little, those eye hooks. Do you want to use eye hooks or do you want to fasten it to the top of the cage this way? Hang it from a chain. How do you want to do? Yeah. We're I all use doing rope. that stuff. <laughs> rope. And you, know, you know, what's weird is I just use white twine rope, but I used to, because I, I, at one point I didn't want to buy any of that stuff because I just didn't have the money or something. I use old shoelaces or the shoe, the extra shoelaces that they gave you in the shoes. Yeah. And just tied those. Up. Yeah, man. Just there's anything laying around you can use almost. I've used, um, gosh, paracord. Um, I I've gotten away from it, but I have used it. I'm using chains now i've used high gauge like fishing line um yeah adjustable adjustable yeah then, right you know right tie it up there and then get if i need to um bring it up some more choke it up if i need to get lax it and give it some some more rope and have it come down and that's how that's how my uh, most of my logs hang they don't yep. sit on the ground really yeah you know um one of the things I, I was doing at first, and it wasn't a permanent fixture anyway, but I was actually hanging things from their cords. And it is not a good idea. And because one of the reasons is there might be too much weight or just weight overall. Or if you got a monitor hanging from a dome inside, uh, that weight from the animal, uh, it might start to pull that cord you know, from the actual fixture, and then you might have a failure, which in my case happened. Um, so definitely have another way of suspending that rather than just the cord. Have a have a safety device in there um, 
at a fixed length because also with a cord, let's say you have a six foot cord, you have a foot of that cord hanging in your, your cage and there's some slack. Well, if there's some way for your monitor to pull that, that, that light fixture down and pull the cord down, you could find your light fixture on the ground. You could find it on top of, um, on top of something, hopefully not the animal, but it's, it's Plastic. really tight. What's wood, that? Yeah. Or have a bulb land on plastic or wood or something. Right. Right. Yeah. And now you're, you're hurting. So it's one of my fears, actually. I, I'm not using PVC in a whole lot of um, cages yet, but I want to. But it is one of my thoughts and one of my um, hesitations. Melting. Yeah, is melting that, um, that PVC, uh, not only for the fumes, because there are fumes when you get it up to that degree and you're melting it. Um, that are toxic, but also um, <clears throat> an escape. I mean, a lot of these animals are investment animals, and the last thing I want to do is lose an animal. So, um, just some varying thoughts, you know, as I'm kind of thinking along yeah. these lines. Well, now I guess uh, as you brought up uh, PVC enclosures, um, it'd be good to talk about that now too. It's probably probably a good last segment, possibly before. Uh, before we uh, make a part two, if you'd yeah. like, or we'll keep going. But the current situation in the United States, um, and I'm not sure what it's like around the world, but uh, there is a major, uh, major fluctuation in the price currently for wood. And so our alternative right now for something that's reasonably priced, structurally built, all that stuff like that, um, looks decent as well. And it actually has some more pros to it as well. But um, PVC built enclosures mm -hmm. are probably going to be the new thing on the rise now that current current wood enclosures are are sort of uh, just too expensive to make. Yeah. Yeah. So um, as people are either raising their prices just because they have to now make money with the current cost of stuff, um, you know, people are going to go elsewhere. So um, I, I expect. Uh, more and more PVC stuff to be done, maybe some better enclosures. I've seen a lot of stuff. Now, some cons, okay? Might as well put them out there. Um, if it's thin and you need a lot of soil and it's a large enclosure, it'll bow. Right. Okay. Um, if it doesn't have a great track on it, the tracks a lot of times are plastic. And if it's, you know, if you good have a good track on it, it'll, it'll last. But those little thin ones like that I got from AP, I had to actually – um add um silicone to it so that way the the tips on the ends wouldn't break just because they were so fragile mm -hmm. um, so you just want things to be more structurally built better to support monitors a lot of those pvc enclosures were built to just do snakes small stuff you know lightweight stuff um now uh, i find this a con um but um some people may not if their cages absorbs it right but uh, I find that the humidity gets trapped really well in a PVC enclosure. Yes. So if you don't have great air convection and stuff like that, or some good ventilation at least, um, it's going to have a lot of water droplets all at the top. And I hate that because then I think it gets into like water sockets or um, it's it's just unpleasant as you're opening an enclosure and it's just a whole bunch of water dripping. And so you then have to uh, – adjust on your humidity levels within the soil and i what i was doing was just keeping the soil more dry because the humidity was kept so high within that enclosure mm -hmm. uh, 
and so that was my adjustment on on that but then it also had some bad effects too because the soil was a little bit too dry um you know now uh you know you talked about the whole melting thing and um i hope that you know now they're built for good usage of where to put a heat lamp in them i think some are built with mesh tops or mesh little cut out right right uh, i think and then I, I and i know some people are mounting them inside the enclosures um i, I was mounting them the inside the enclosures but but i put a piece of plywood in between the the fixtures and the actual pvc ceiling mm -hmm. so you know, they were on that um but you know just uh just the scare of the heat and all that melting that you know i use low wattage bulbs so they don't really get too hot you know but picture if it was a someone putting 150 watt or 250 watt on there they get extremely hot you know right um now some uh some pros stuff's really lightweight makes lifting and doing stuff yeah. simple uh keeps things light and easy to log around or um you know you don't have to break your back doing stuff because yep. we're getting old and i'm already tired from digging sand <laughs> so i don't want to have to log cages around and sometimes it's just by myself you know yep um and those pvc enclosures work really well um you know, I, I wish uh, there's there's a few companies doing it. Sorry to interrupt, but uh, no just off the top of my head, there's a few of these PVC enclosures or PVC cages that actually have like an aluminum frame to them. Um, I think it's like uh, I, I forget the the name of it, but it's um, yeah, it's just your square frame. Um, and I would be a lot more willing to try something like that. Uh, so it has some some more um, structural integrity, yeah. you know, to it um, for monitors. It just seems to make sense to me because one of the things I have a hard time getting past is um, there are companies out there that will chemically weld um, the insides of the the PVC cages, which is great. But then some of these you're going to pay sometimes just as much in shipping for some of these cages as you yeah. are for the cage itself. And That's if they the send it, part. yeah, if they send it built like that, where the the corners are chemically welded, then it's already have it already has to be built. And then for some of your larger cages, you're looking at like freight shipping charges and um, thousands, right? Hundreds, hundreds, or thousands of bucks because of the size and um, may not be uh, may not be great on the cost at all, right? You know, even right. if uh, even if it's cheaper than wood. So dang, <laughs> reptile reptile keeping just went up, man. Yep. Shoot, all that cost. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's just gonna, it's just nuts. <laughs> now, hobby. Um, now let's say like the, with the PVC, with the whole build. Let's say like an eight by four, right? Mm -hmm. The back wall is gonna need a brace. Yes. If it's not built thick, and I don't know if they're even built that thick. Um, so it'll need a back brace, and the front, too, will need a brace, too, uh, depending on how the doors are made. Um, and so you just basically need a, some type of pole or rod that runs from the bottom all the way to the top, and it just keeps it from bowing. And then at the base of your very large enclosure, depending on how much soil you use, it'll bow from the sides as well. Mm -hmm. and if it's not built well enough 
Um, you have issues with sand and soil pressing against the wall and having it blow that way. Yep. So, yeah. And you, you know, that's been a lot of my hesitation in, in getting into them so far and using them. Yeah. That's I why know. wood wood is still my go-to still. Right. right. I know that three fourths um, thick PVC is stronger than like the half inch or the quarter inch. Um, but four. still, you know, these things are being held together in some cases just by screws. screws um, yeah. And so all that pressure is just being put on those screws. Um, and I'm, I'm just a little hesitant still. So I wouldn't be as hesitant to use it in like a, your four by two um, size enclosure. But when you start getting to the larger ones, like you were just talking about, you know, they're going to need some some braces, some extra. Yeah, basically made for a monitor lizard. Right. Because of what you need to do to it. Yeah. Now, uh, I had a guy. Um, he had a cage like that built for him but the insides what i say is just get the stuff the the box built for you and you add all the stuff yourself later yeah um maybe if he did a shelf for you but man depending on the size of the lizard species he, if that shelf isn't adjustable it's just going to be a shelf you know maybe stuff that you you know you lean stuff on but may not be a great basking shelf like it's, it just doesn't make sense to me if the shelf is all the way to the right side and it's three or four foot down um, where the basking area should be like a foot or two away from the bulbs, you know, in, in a general, in a good direction where the bulbs are basically over hovering over it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then you get a good distance of bulbs to play with, but uh, it's, it's all, it's all a working game. If you utilize really big bulbs or, Let's say you have a huge large enclosure and you have a large animal in there and you're using large bulbs. Let's say your your community or where you live is really cold as well. So you have to use large water bulbs, right? Um, man, all that all that's gonna change for you a little bit because we're talking about using lower water bulbs, but if you have to utilize something like 150 watt or three of them, you know, and you have such a big lizard and your place is really cold in the wintertime. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, adjusting for that is, is going to be different because your, your, your bulbs, the space between it will need to be much greater, um, than just what we're recommending. Cause we're, we're only talking about like BR thirties, 35 watt, 40 watt bulbs and PR, um, sorry, par 38s as well that are still only 50 watts. So right. they're not really that hot, but when you get into using the 75s, hundred, 150 watts, the, the strength on them, the lumens on them is just much greater. And so you have to use a bigger distance in between. So it's got to make sense. It's got to flow. And I do. I use some of the ceramic heat emitters in some of my big walk-in enclosures in the winter. And um, that's just to keep, you know, some sort because uh, of heat in there. Because uh, the ground temperature on the concrete surface can actually be 50 degrees um, in the winter, no problem. And like this my i had my uh one of my girls lay uh on christmas eve um i knew she was gonna lay so i needed to bump those temperatures up and not to say that my cage was in contact with the concrete ground but the bottom of the cage was still like 62 degrees without that bulb so i needed to 
<clears throat> make a few adjustments with using some large um, slate pieces, basically setting up basking spots specifically. So they'll hit those slate pieces and the slate pieces will then radiate into the ground, uh, transfer heat into the ground. But then I also had to add in that ceramic heating uh, emitter in the middle of the cage just to keep the temperatures up. Um, so yeah, you might, and that, I think those were, I think they were a hundred watt. I'd have to check them. They might've been in the one fifties, but that's what I had to do in that, in that situation. I don't necessarily like that. So I'm going to mess with some ideas going into next season. Um, just to set up either lower wattage, like almost like having my, my basking spots, but then also for the winter, having other spots that are just there to heat the soil, uh, so to speak you know, to yeah. give the soil a more uh, even gradient across it. Um, so, yeah, these are different ideas that I've had to play with or that I'm currently playing with to figure out. So, Nice, man. Shoot. Uh, I don't know. I'm just waiting for my partitions to come in. <laughs> yeah, get the car cage with the partition built in it. And then I'll be done for for a little while as far as what I want to do. To be honest, I'm kind of scared of all the whole wood thing, dude. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, will it go down? <laughs> I hope so. I really hope so. It's kind of too high. And then, all right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We were talking partitions. We were talking price of wood. You know, current. Yeah, I'm trying not to have the, the price. Uh, Price hurt me so bad, man. I know. Cage that would cost only two hundred before is now costing me five, six, seven hundred. Right. Yeah. And you know, get creative. If you guys have stuff laying around, figure out how to use it. Sometimes you might have to change the dimensions of your build um, based on what you have. And I've been one of those guys. I've went around and shopped to like when you have a new neighborhood going up, new apartment complex. And making some friends, you know, maybe bring over a case of uh, cold ones and uh, let somebody take them home. And, and they might let you go through the scrap pile and you can pull out some good pieces of wood out of there sometimes. Now, your uh, your outside doesn't really matter because the inside is going to be lined with something else. And that's going right. to be your water protecting. So you can have rustic looking wood that you sanded and used. Or yep. you can have like all different kinds of wood. Shouldn't make a difference because your end result should have it should be like lined and covered with stuff and painted right. with something where it's protecting that wood. So, um, yeah. All right, man. You, know, you want to stop there and yeah. uh, just wanted to see what else, what um, what else you wanted to add to this. Oh man, see that's why it's hard to find a good stopping point because I think it will have to be sections because there's so much to talk about. I mean, and just for all the listeners out there, I've over the years I've built things out of uh, plywood, um, melamine particle board, trying to protect the inside of it to to do yeah. it on the cheap. Um, I think one time I even. Put together like one of those more industrial garage racks like you can get at home depot i'm using those currently for different things but the idea i had was um the little notches on the side where you put the shelves i actually bought these heavy duty like uh ball bearing 
um, casters, like, like you have on drawers, um, the sliders, you know, and I figured out a way to bolt these things onto the sides of these uh, garage racks. And then, so I tried to build like this pullout system uh, using, I think I was using like greenhouse plastic and plywood and everything. Um, it could work with someone with a lot more skill, but <laughs> it ended up just being a big waste of money. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure we both have a couple of those. Some stories. ideas are a waste of money. <clears throat> just, uh, yeah. Oh, man, there's a <clears throat> I'm a weirdo. So everything that I see on the street or like <laughs> or like I walk into a building. Right. Right. And I see like a, a, an enclosed glass area and I, I'm just looking, dude, that can be an enclosure, <clears throat> you know, or uh, um, I'll see like the security box where yeah. they're sitting in a window. Right. And they're either taking tickets or allowing you to go in. That's like a perfect enclosure. Oh, All it just needs to be modified. Um, yeah, or like um, uh, there's these uh, personal booths. I used to work for a company where I would have to deliver things, and uh, they would. Um, they you you really it's like just some IT company, and all their conversations were private, but in these little tiny booths, right? Mm -hmm. So you can either sit in there with them. Or you can sit in there and you're talking to them through the internet or through Skype or whatever, right? And um, um, and these whole little units were like, I don't know, like like five by five by ten or something like that, or yeah, or like six by six by ten tall. And uh, they were, I mean, they looked just man, like who makes those, right? <laughs> and uh, I. Yeah, they're built so well. I've looked at those those big boxes that they use for moving stuff sometimes, or um, like something they ship a like a shower stall fixture in, yeah. uh, or a hot tub. You know these huge boxes that I'm like, hey, you guys throwing that out? <laughs> you got a truck I can borrow too? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, you get crazy. I mean, getting creative is what we really want people to understand with building. Right, um, they're it's kind of like a goal, but there's there's so many ways to get there. So, right, you know, you want to want to you want to if you got an idea, let's say your 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 skill has something to already do with it. Or like, let's say you're good at woodworking, or or you are. Dang, I'm trying to trying to. Yeah, you have some you know, someone like some skill or like you're great with resin already, right? And and right. you've done stuff with it already and you can you now know how to utilize things. I don't know, but basically your your job, um your real real job like actually has skills that you can utilize for this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and apply those. Man, Man you you know uh, another thing that I oh you know, we'll have to do a part two because we yeah. got to get into some of these these um, mistakes on measuring, cutting, how you want to actually fit pieces together. Uh, you know, a common one I, I've done myself and I see other people is just because you want to build a, let's say, a two by six enclosure where it's two uh, six by two by two. Uh, you can't just staple those pieces together. You actually got to uh, measure for the the thickness of the plywood 
that you're using. So, you know, lose, uh, you actually lose it. Yeah. You lose space. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's do a part two. Let's, um, yeah. let's pick it up where we left off and get into a few more. Maybe we can retouch on a few things if we need to um, explain them a little more, but yeah, let's talk about those different um, carpentry skills we've learned on the fly to make some of this stuff work and how to put these things together. I don't have no carpentry skills at all. Yeah, I didn't. I don't I, start I just, with it. I just, uh, I just, uh, man, I just, I just, I just drill it and go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and, my, my my carpentry skills, like, sure, I know how to use the drill and stuff, but I mean, dude, I, I'm like my cuts. I got to measure like three or four times, make sure, yeah. and um, oh, and use the same tape measure, people. If you're measuring something. Sometimes I don't have, uh, you know, all the tools. I just have the cutting stuff, right? And yeah. so, like, I wish I can just uh, router stuff or make a uh, great corner edges and and do things that way, make it look nice. But no, I got I got a right. guy. I got a guy to help me do that. I just draw it up and help him. That way, uh, that way we're all on the same page. Right. And some things for the bigger pieces, you need a table saw. And you yeah. got to know about cutting with the grain and against the grain and using these different, you know, methods to keep yourself safe. And do you have another person there to catch the wood on the other side so it doesn't buck and fly off on you? Um, been there, chipped a tooth doing it. You guys can't see it, but uh, it's there. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So getting into a cage building is going to take a lot out of you, but I guess that's that's what makes. That's what just makes us dedicated keepers, you know, You're willing to yep. go through it. And it's something that you didn't, you thought you were keeping lizards, but really you're now a carpenter. Yep. You know? Electrician, so. possibly a plumber. <laughs> and as you build them, you get real good at those caulk lines along the edges too. You, you develop that little system where it won't look all jagged and, you know, uh, yeah. out of your, place. Your seams look better. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, man. I can't uh, can't really get enough uh, of uh, of all the stuff that I get to learn as I'm making cages and just yeah. just uh, things to improve on. But um, yeah, I think uh, we'll have uh, part two. Uh, we'll uh, round up more questions that are regularly asked as far as cage building. Um, I get them all the time. To be honest, I'm not really hitting on a bunch of uh, uh, on a bunch of ideas at the moment, but I know there's a, a fair amount of ideas that that people are always asking me. I just got to scroll through my messages and really pinpoint them out. Yeah. And to be honest, I and maybe an apology to the listeners and to you, Kai. Man, coming in to, to record this, I think about the first half an hour, you know, my brain was uh, – I, I just dug up a clutch. It didn't go the way I wanted to. It wasn't, it wasn't all a loss, hopefully, but – yeah, it was heart wrenching. So, um, yeah. you know, I had to, I had to kind of get into things real slow here. <laughs> yeah, man, monitor keeping and uh, doing that stuff is stressful. Sometimes I might not even be like in the mood to just to talk a bunch because I'm trying to think. Like, right, uh, all right, man, what do I gotta? What am I doing? What am I doing? Yeah. All right, who's who do I gotta deal with today? Yep, and uh, figure stuff out. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's, I hear you, man. I'm the same way. 
So after this, you know, I'm like, okay, what do I got to go back and do? That female that just laid, I got to get some food in her, got to get her up and running, yeah. making sure she's good. It's um, a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, what's funny is building cages, uh, putting some stuff together, you know, where am I going to do this? How am I going to move that around? Um, finishing up, I got different parts of cages laying around that I need to finish up or redo to some degree. I think it's never ending to some, when you get into it, uh, when you start producing or you have a lot of animals. Yeah. It's never ending. Uh, a few jobs yeah. on top of each other, kind of get yeah. what you could for the day. Some things you're not even able to do all at once. So. Right. Right. Settle. Yeah. All right, man. All right. Yeah. Let's wrap it up. Uh, just again, we want to say thank you to uh, NPR and the Morelia Python radio network. Uh, guys, go ahead and check them out on MoreliaPythonRadio.com. Scroll through. Of course, you'll see uh, NPR. I think there's Colibrid Corner. Uh, there's the Field Herping Podcast. There's an Australian Herpetological Podcast. Uh, Carpets and Coffee. There's so much. Shoot. I know I'm missing one or two also in there. Shame on me. But um, it's growing. So, yeah, give them a, give them a look. Go on to the website. Um, look them up. There may, on- there may be stuff that you guys are interested in other than just monitors too. So right. give, those guys a, give those guys a look. Um, we want to say thank you for the support so far as far as all the listeners that are um, supporting us and, you know, tuning in. Um, yeah. The feedback uh, has been great. Uh, we're trying to – Touch as many topics as we can, without mm-hmm. without having um, you know, without having like just an overload of information. Kind of try to have things flow, and I'm glad yeah. you guys are enjoying it. Um, you know, everything is is all from experience, and uh, it's what we've tried to gather. I'm glad you guys are loving it. And also, uh, something I haven't been mentioning, but I should. Not only get on and try to support uh, Morelli Python Radio through their Patreon. They have a $5 and a $10, but also U.S. Arc. And shame on me for not mentioning that. They're out there um, protecting our hobby uh, across the nation. They're doing a lot of good work, fighting battles, and uh, there's a lot to it. Um, I, I'm hoping someone actually does a, a U.S. Arc-specific show, uh, gets the gets the guys that were originally part of putting this together and some of the battles they had to fight. One of them particular had to do with the Ackies and it's an amazing story. Um, but hopefully one day we'll get to hear those stories from the people that lived it and uh, realize that they're here and we're keeping them because of those battles that were fought. I don't know, 20, 30 years ago uh, for some of these animals. So Go ahead, get on there, give. Uh, one way I'm doing it, if some of you are using some of these um, shipping uh, companies for your reptiles, you can add on um, to the packages you're shipping to donate to US Arc. I like doing it that way. Um, there's different level memberships, but yeah, protect us, protect what we're doing. You know, we want it around for not only our enjoyment, but for our kids, uh, different people we're bringing into it. So, um, it's great to have this information, put these podcasts out, but if we're not protecting what we have, then they're just going to be, you know, relics, uh, to some degree in the future. So, all right, Kai, you got anything else? 
No, um, uh, I guess the only thing is for our listeners, um, we'd like to get a little bit even more, um, I don't know, hands-on or in, in inviting you guys um, in, interact with us, whether you want to ask us questions that um, have answered on uh, on the podcast or if you'd like to come on for like a Q&A yourself or let's say if you have a certain species, um, you know, feel free to message us. Uh, I think this is – it's not real. It, it is sort of, uh, you know – a plug out there to see if anybody is willing to hop on, you know, um, yeah. we're definitely interested in having people that, um, both we know and don't know as well. So, you know, if you're a stranger, uh, don't be a stranger. We've got a few that few people that are, you know, we don't really know too well at all, or just, just message us out of the blue and, uh, we're able to put their questions up on here and it was able to actually reach quite a few people just because yeah. it's all stuff you can relate to. Um, and that's the only way I think we'll be able to really help each other is if we can share our experiences, maybe someone can relate and we kind of just work, work with each other that way. Yep. All right. All right, you guys. All right, man. Thank you.